Okay, welcome back everybody. Um, I wonder what your answers were. Big welcome back as well to those of who've been away on bank holiday weekends enjoying the sunshine around the country. And for those who have been away, what we've been doing over the last few weeks, we're in a new series and we're looking at 1 Peter. And it's a four-week series and this is week three. And 1 Peter is a letter. It's a letter of hope and encouragement written to a church community spread across Turkey, several churches, and they were facing severe persecution under the rule of Emperor Nero. Um, many of you will know he accused Christians of causing the fire that broke out in Rome. And because of this false accusation, this wave of persecution started against the church, the Christians. And it was horrible. And so this letter is to remind them of who they are in Christ, what Jesus has done for them, and how they are to live as Christians in this environment. And Philippa, two weeks ago, she spoke about how they are to radiate God in every area of their lives. But to do this, it's about feeding on God's word, being nourished by faith. And Abby spoke really well last week, didn't she? About submission, and she told us how important it was for them to know their worth, despite all that was going on, that they were a chosen people, a royal priesthood. They were God's special possession. And so what we're going to do today, we're just going to have a look at the calling that Pete was asking his churches to live out. A calling that reflected the life of Jesus, despite these circumstances that they were facing. But it's a call for all of us to live out, and we live in a very different time. We are not facing what they are facing. But we are called to reflect Jesus in our lives. And it's to see um, today just that we can only do it with the help of Jesus. And we can only do it through the help of the Holy Spirit who enables us to live this stuff out in our lives every day. So I'm going to read 1 Peter 3, 8 to 16. And the words will come up on the screen. Thank you, David. So finally, all of you be like-minded. Be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So Father, I thank you that this letter was to bring hope and encouragement to a church. And I pray this morning that this word will bring hope and encouragement to everyone here this morning. So bless these words in your name. Amen. Amen. Does anybody like making to-do lists? I don't know. Oh, thank you, Natasha. Oh, nice one. I am um, straight up. We should connect. I love creating lists. I love it. Um, so most Sunday evenings or first thing Monday morning, I will write a list of tasks that I know I need to do for the week ahead. And so I'll make a list of the phone calls I have to make, the emails, the WhatsApp messages I might have to send, the things that are happening at home, that the appointments we have to make. And I begin to make my way through it. 
and I get satisfaction. I don't know if you do. Every time you do something, you cross it off, hoping for that moment you get to the end of your list and everything is done. However, sometimes there will be jobs on your list that you just don't really want to do. And you ignore them, you put them off, you're not very good at them maybe, or you just hate them. And these things go to the week after list, you know, or the week after, and the week after, it just keeps going on. Chapter 3, verse 8 begins with a list, so I'm happy. A list of characteristics that reflect who Jesus was and how he lived his life out. And Peter, what's he doing? He's encouraging the churches to live this out in their own lives. To live lives that reflect God, his grace, his love and his compassion. Even though they were suffering and being persecuted. So he tells them, what does he tell them? He says, be like-minded. Live in unity with one another. You know, share the same thoughts and attitudes. Have a mind focused on Jesus. He says, be sympathetic towards one another. You know, rejoice with those who have rejoiced. But mourn with those who are mourning. Always seek the good of others. He tells them to love one another, to be compassionate. They were never to forget that they were a family, brothers and sisters of one body. And the hard one I think I would have found in this time. To not to repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but their actions were to be different. The words that came out of their mouths and their actions were to be different. They were to repay evil with blessing. Insults with blessing. They were to show love to their enemies and generosity. He tells them, don't be fearful or frightened when you face this opposition. But to have a, a message ready, you know, and to respond in gentleness for the hope that you have. And I often wonder, knowing the situation they faced, how they would have responded when they heard that list. Would they have been able to just tick it all off and go through it and say, yes, we can do this? Or were there some things on the list that they just didn't want to do? Or some things on the list that they were afraid to do? Or some things they just refused to do? And we are called to this list as well. And I think about my life. And I want to live this out. I want to be compassionate, sympathetic. I want to love others. You know, I don't want to fear. I want to be able to stand up all the time and tell people about Jesus. But it doesn't always happen. Can, things can get in the way. I often sometimes don't want to do it, so I refuse to do it. Or I'm fearful of doing it. And I wonder how you feel when you hear this list being read out. Are there some things you struggle with? Are there some things you just don't want to do? I think looking at Peter and his life and what happened to him is so important. Because if you go back 30 years before this letter was written, Peter would not have been able to, well, from what I see, been able to have written this list. I don't think he was living it out very well either. He wasn't someone who was like-minded. He wasn't focused on the cross, was he? He tried to stop Jesus going to the cross. He took Jesus aside one day and rebuked him, he says. He says, never, Lord, this is never going to happen. His focus was not always on loving his neighbor. His focus was on how he could become the greatest disciple, you know, arguing with those around him. He repaid evil with evil in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus was arrested, what did he do? He drew his sword and chopped off the high priest's ear. Um, <laughs> he was fearful. When Jesus was arrested, he ran. He ran away in fear. Despite saying those words, I'm never going to leave you, Jesus. I'll lay down my life for you. And when people came to him and said, are you a follower of Jesus? What did he do? He denied him. To the point where he swore an oath that he was not a disciple of Jesus. And finally, after Jesus' death, where was Peter? He's hiding in a room, locked in fear. 
And I feel a bit bad for Peter because you see his whole life kind of displayed here for us to see. But um, he does get to this place where he can write a letter. Where he can write a letter to tell these churches to live these characteristics out. But I think it's important to see how he gets there. You know, how does he get to that place where in his own life where he can live this out? These characteristics of love, compassion, of sympathy. Where he's no longer fearing, where he will stand boldly up and talk about Jesus. I love Acts 2, 14. Because it says he stood up side by side with his disciples. Not kind of competing against them anymore, but to stand up and speak to the crowds about how much Jesus has done for him. And the hope he has in Jesus. And then I love it later on in Acts when he goes to the house of Cornelius, this Gentile who he's been told his whole life to stay away from. And he steps over this house into this man's house to tell him about Jesus as well. So how does he get there? And I could end and just say the simple answer is very, it's easy, isn't it? It's Jesus. It's what Jesus did in Peter's life. But I just want to show you that as well today. Because Jesus wants to do the same in every single one of our lives. So that we all can be people who are salt and light. Wherever we go, whatever circumstance we face, we can be salt and light for him. And so to help us see how this is possible, there are four verses in the chapter of John, chapter 20. And these verses where Jesus comes and meets with Peter after the resurrection. And it's this transformation that takes place in his life. And it's not just this one, there are other stories. You know, after the resurrection, he's meeting with Peter all the time. And it's a journey we all go on. Jesus is dealing with us. But I just want to look at these four verses in this to see what he did with him and to see the change that came on him. I'm not going to read it, but the words David's put up again, thank you, David, are there so you can follow the story. But where is Peter? He's locked in a room. They say that there was two doors. There was an outer door and an inner door, and both of these doors would have been locked to this building, and Peter's right inside hiding, hiding in fear from those outside because of the choices he's made. And he's living with this regret and shame of his own life for running away and denying Jesus. And he's locked himself away. It's like, who can use me anymore? And what I love is what Jesus does. He doesn't want him to stay in this place. He wants to bring him out from in this locked room that he's made for himself. Into this new life that he has for him to live a life of love, compassion to those around him. And what does Jesus do? What is the first thing he did? It says Jesus came and stood next to him. You know, Peter, who was locked in this room, hiding in fear because his life was in very much a mess. Jesus came to the center of that room, into the center of his life, not to condemn him for running away or for hiding in fear, not to tell him off for denying him, but to offer him hope, forgiveness and this restored relationship. And we always need to remember that first and foremost, no matter how bad life may get for us, no matter how much we may have messed up, Jesus will always come into the center of our mess and to bring us out from behind those doors we may have locked in ourselves in and to bring us into something new. He'll lead us into that. And so if you are in that place today, then I just say let Jesus come in. Whatever may be happening, no matter how messy it might be, let him come into that space and just stand next to you. Because then what does Jesus do? Secondly, he brings some peace to Peter. He says, Peter, peace be with you. Peter was a man who was anything but peaceful, was he? But Jesus came into that room so Peter could experience peace. A peace nothing like the world had to offer. You know? Peter would have to understand that he belonged to Christ with this peace. 
a peace that surpassed all his doubts, all his fears, all his failures, a peace that Jesus promised to give him. He kept saying it in the, when they were walking with him. It's in the Gospels. A peace that would remain with him always through every season of life and a peace that Jesus would never stop giving and would never run out. I love it. Every time he appeared to Peter in this story, he like, gives him a bit more peace. So this guy, he's just on edge a bit, isn't he? Twice in the same day, in the same room, he's saying, peace be with you, Peter. Have some more peace, have some more peace. A little bit later on, it's have a bit more. And we all can be like that, can't we? It's just we get anxious, we get nervous, we get worried. It's like if it's happening a few times a day, keep asking for Jesus' peace. Don't stop. And Peter knows how important this peace is. Both letters, one and two, Peter, begins with the words, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Peter knew for this church to be living this life out, that life of Jesus, they needed to know and experience his peace in abundance. And it's the same for all of us today. Jesus wants his peace to be experienced in abundance by all of us. Jesus wants us all to know that we can bring to him our worries, our fears and anxieties and receive his peace. And when we experience his peace, it enables us to step into whatever he may have in front of us. So don't be afraid to ask and don't be afraid to receive. And don't be afraid to keep asking. And then what does he do? Thirdly, he showed Peter his hands and his sides. Jesus was showing him that it is really me. That I have risen from the dead. I did die for you. There was this invitation for Peter to come closer to Jesus. To draw close to him. To get a deeper understanding of who he was and what he had done. And what does Peter do? He responds. He draws closer to Jesus. There were some doubts in his life. We all have doubts at different moments, don't we? But he drew closer to Jesus. He stepped forward towards him. And what does he see? He sees the marks in his hands and in his side. He remembered those outstretched arms on the cross, that symbol of his love. And what does he notice when he gets there? He's overjoyed, isn't he? And so much of that letter that Peter writes is reminding them, draw closer to Jesus. Get a deeper understanding of who he is, that he is your living hope. And we all have this invitation to draw closer to Jesus, to step towards him. But it is up to us to respond, to move towards him. Even within our doubts, I encourage you, step forward. Don't go backwards. We're going to sing a song later, and I love the words because it reminds us of who Jesus is. That he is our joy, he is our righteousness, he is our freedom, that he will stay by our side. And in our weakness, his power <coughs> will be evident. And he will be there through every valley we may walk through. And the closer you get to him, the more you will see that. So draw close to him, spend time with him. Don't miss out on all he has for you and the opportunity to see who he really is. Fourthly, it's time for Peter to start moving. And Jesus says the words, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. It was time for Peter to begin to step out from behind those doors that he set up and locked. And step into all that God had planned for him. So that he could go out and share love with those around him. So that those outside could experience what Jesus, what Peter, sorry, had experienced inside that room. And the plan is simple for Peter, isn't it? It's to carry on the work that Jesus did. What he started. And that's the call for these churches, to show love and compassion to those around us. You know, even the most violent and horrible of people, it's like, I want them to receive my love. 
And we are all called to do the same. We're called to be salt and light to our, in our homes, in our neighbours, in our communities, in our workplaces, so that those around us can experience what we have experienced when we allow Jesus into our lives. But Peter, as we know, was a man who did it in his own strength. And Jesus is like, you need to stop doing it in your own strength. So easily done. You know, he says it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that you'll be able to do this. And what does he do? He breathes on him. He breathes the Holy Spirit on him. And I love this. When I was reading about it, it says, it's the same breath that was breathed into Adam in the Garden of Eden. That same life was breathed into Peter. And he's realizing that the Holy Spirit is that source of life that would enable him to live this out. To live this life that Jesus has called him to live out of love, compassion, of sympathy. And it's the same for us. It's only through the Holy Spirit that it is possible to live this life out. It's so easy to do it in our own strength, but what I find for me is that I keep failing. And so I need the Holy Spirit more and more to be able to do this. And the good news is that Jesus wants all of us to receive it. You know, he won't stop giving it to us as well. And then we come towards the end. Finally, Peter, he says, if anyone forgives sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Peter experienced in that room forgiveness of sins when Jesus came into that room. And now he goes to go out and tell others about that experience as well, that they can experience this forgiveness as well. But I think on top of it, there was something in that room he had to learn to forgive others as well and ask for forgiveness. Forgiveness of the disciples for the mistakes that he made and forgive the disciples as well for the mistakes that they have made. But out of that room, there was people who had really hurt him. He'd seen his Jesus beaten and crucified and he had to forgive those as well and it doesn't mean maybe necessarily going towards these people but praying that they will receive God's love as well and it's not easy but we have to do it because we want everyone to receive it but what I love about this story is that it wasn't just Peter in that room there were ten other people in that room all struggling with similar issues that Peter was struggling with all kind of facing the same fears. But what does Jesus do? He met every single one of them. Jesus stepped into the middle of every single one of their lives. All of them were given that invitation to draw closer to him. All of them were sent out into the world to carry on that mission. And all of them received that Holy Spirit. And it is the same invitation for every single one of us today. You know, Jesus wants to come into the middle of all of our lives. Behind those locked doors, there is no way his love cannot go through. And his peace is for all of us. This invitation to draw closer to him is for all of us. He calls us all to then step out and to carry on this mission wherever we go. To live lives of love and compassion and sympathy. But we need to realise that it can only be done through the Spirit and through the Spirit's help. But we do have to forgive as well as we go along. So I'm going to come to a close and we invite the, the worship team to come back up we're going to have an extended time of worship this morning there's no communion um, and so I just want you to take time to draw closer to Jesus if there's things you're struggling with then tell him ask for his peace, ask to receive it if you'd like to someone to stand with you and to pray with you then there will be a team on my left or your right I would love to stand with you and pray with you.
But take this time just to spend with Jesus and to draw close to him and allow him to fill you with his spirit and allow him to speak to you. I'm going to pray and then hand over to the worship team. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words. We thank you for all you did in Peter's life, Lord Jesus. I thank you that you want to stand in the middle of our midst, Lord Jesus. May those who are feeling that today know that today, that you want to stand next to them. I pray for your peace, Lord Jesus, to come on all those who need it right now. All those who are anxious or fearful or worried, God, may they experience and know your peace. I thank you for that invitation to draw closer to you, Jesus. To draw close to you, God, especially in the doubts we may have. I thank you for each and every one of us that you are calling us to carry on this mission to go out into your world and to take this out to those around us, Lord Jesus. But it's only through the power of your spirit that we can really do this. So will you fill us all this morning with your spirit, Lord Jesus? And if there are people we need to maybe let, let go of things, God, show us where that may be so that they can receive your touch as well this morning and know your love.